0: Hey, when I back up, am I going to be in focus? Okay. Okay. Well, hello and welcome to Catalyst Christian Church Online. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here. And I want to welcome everybody who is logging on. Last week, we received communication from new people in Arizona, Johnson City, Tennessee, Warrington, Virginia, Wisconsin, and a new check-in from Hong Kong. Thank you for joining us. That's in addition to our folks in Beaufort, South Carolina, Newport News, Virginia, Fort Rutgers, Alabama, California, our orphanage in India, friends in Pakistan, our missionaries in Honduras, Um, as well as all the people that log on from here in central uh, Kentucky, Lexington, Nicholsville, Georgetown, this area. Uh, God has continued to bring new people every single Sunday to to our church here online. We want to welcome you If if this is your first time logging on with us, we want to hear from you. Please find us at catalystchristian.net.com. Send us an email, text us, call us, let us know, and we will mention you and your location uh, next Sunday in the sermon. Um, So welcome to Catalyst, you guys, and uh, we're in a series called Personal. Um, Last week we talked about the grief adventure, trusting God through loss. Today we're talking about the debt adventure, trusting God through financial hardship. The main thing today is trusting in God as provider moves us from stressed to blessed. Uh, Trust, you all, is the biggest compliment you can pay someone. Talk is cheap, and trust is expensive And probably nothing stresses us out more than finances. If you've ever been in financial hardship, you know how stressful that is. When I counsel couples that are getting married, I take an entire session on finances because I know if I can get them to agree on how to spend money, how to manage money, they're going to eliminate about 80% of marital conflict. And like I said, there are few things as stressful as personal uh, on a person as financial hardship, and it's one of the toughest areas to trust God in. Um, so uh, uh, the question we need to ask ourselves today is, can we trust God in the midst of financial difficulty? The answer is absolutely yes, we can. Um, but it's just that most of us don't. When you are facing with bills that you can't pay, When you are facing the loss of a job or financial setback of any kind, that can be be devastating. And trusting God through that is difficult to do. So how can we trust God through financial hardship? How does he move us from stress to bless? Well, the first step that he tells us is the same thing that John said earlier in the testimony. Don't panic. Step number one, don't panic. I want to take you to God's Word and see what He says about this. The first thing is Psalm 24, verse 1. It says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. It's all His. Everything that you have, may be lost or whatever, that is His. It's His. He's going to do what's right with it. So have Faith. The second one is Psalm 37, 25. King David writes this, I was young and now I'm, I'm, I am old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. King David wrote this in his old age. Never seen God not provide for his people. Be encouraged. Then moving to the New Testament, Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, Jesus addresses this. He says this, Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Underline that in your Bible, please. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. In financial hardship. It's easy to start asking those questions that Jesus said, what shall we eat? How are we going to live? How, this kind of thing. Jesus tells us not to do that. He said, for, he said the pagans who don't know about God, who don't know about his provision, don't know about his grace and his mercy and his love for you, those are the folks that run after those things. Totally inappropriate for God's people. Now, in the last four weeks, we've seen tons of this people running into stores, uh, uh, hoarding supplies, panic buying, this kind of thing. Uh, Heavenly Father says, no, I know that you need these things. Seek me, not the things I give you. And so the first step to trusting God through financial hardship is we don't panic. We acknowledge his sovereignty over our problems. The second step is this, is that we don't fall for quick fixes. All right, this is a big temptation Big temptation, when you're facing financial hardship, God says, peace, be still, do not fall for the quick and the easy. Uh, the, there are five things that, that we tend to fall for when we're stressed and when, when we're in panic mode. The first thing is this, you won't spend your way out of financial hardship. I've seen people facing financial hardship that buy a new car. I don't know why they do that. Um, some people uh, go on vacation, and they just say, well, I just needed to get away from it all. Uh, well, the problem is is that it's waiting for you when you get back, and you've made it worse. You won't spend your way out of financial hardship. The second, you won't borrow your way out of financial hardship. Um, I've seen people go to payday loans at 30 or 40% interest. And take out a loan or take a home equity loan or charge credit cards. Um, And now they've added interest payments to an already terrible financial situation. You won't borrow your way out of financial hardship. Number three, you won't cheat your way out of financial hardship. I've seen people try to, well, I'll just adjust my taxes. I'll I'll fudge a little bit on my expense account, um, this kind of thing. Uh, God won't bless that, you all. That is not God's will for you. You are running the risk of losing a job or, or doing some jail time, and that will add to your financial trouble. Uh, troubles just increase. The fourth is you won't beg your way out of financial hardship. Uh, the sign holders in intersections <clears throat> that, that are, aren't getting out of financial hardship. Um, going to family members and hitting them up, that's not going to get you out of financial hardship. Expecting the church to, uh, to, to pay your bills. Uh, there, there are literally people, as a pastor I know this, there are people that think the church is sitting on a big pile of cash and they have a right to it. Well, that's a great philosophy except for two problems. We don't have a pile of cash and you don't have a right to it. Other than that, it's a good philosophy. <clears throat> Number five, you won't gamble your way out of financial hardship. A lottery ticket is a terrible investment. That is not the way to get out of financial hardship. Um, now that sports have been shut down, you can't gamble on them anyway. The overwhelming majority of lottery ticket purchases come from low-income neighborhoods. Uh, gambling won't get you back and get you out of uh, financial hardship. Don't fall for the quick fixes. They don't work. In and, and times of desperation, we're very vulnerable to them. That is not trusting God they only make the hardship worse. So how do we trust God through financial hardship? First thing, we don't panic. Second thing, we don't fall for quick fixes. Third, we get on a plan. Step three is to get on a plan. And this is difficult for some people. It really is. And, and I understand. Hebrews 12, 11 says this, No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. it doesn't, getting on a plan is not pleasant. De- Dealing with financial problems is not pleasant, but if you stay on it, it will produce a harvest for you. That's what the Bible says. Uh, Dave Ramsey said this children do what feels good, adults devise a plan and stick to it. So we have to start with a plan. And the the starting place is start with what you do have. A lot of people look at their bills. They look at what they owe. They look at their situation. And that's the wrong starting place. You start with what you do have. Okay, I'm going to ask my assistants to come bring the the table up here. This is what God tells us to do. He tells us, first of all, to break our income down. Break it into tenths. Okay, into tenths. That's what, that, that's what he tells us to do. Um, uh, and there was a, uh, there was, thank you guys, there was a professor that was teaching uh, his college uh, college class, and it was a time management class, and he got a big, huge jar out, and he put two big rocks in it, and he asked the class, is this jar full? And they said, well, yes, it is. He goes, no, it's not, and he pulled out a bag of gravel. And he shook the gravel down, as, and the gravel went in the cracks. And he says, is it full? And the class said, well, yeah, it looks pretty full. In it. He, no, he pulled out a bag of sand, and he pull, poured the sand down in there, filled in the cracks. He said, now is it full? And the class onto him now said, no. He said, you're right. He pulled out a, a, a jug of water. He poured water in, the water filled in. And he said, what's the lesson here? And the, the, one of the students raised his hand and said, No matter how busy you think you are, you can always fit more in there. And the professor said, Wrong. He said, The lesson is if you don't put the big rocks in first, you won't get them in at all. And that's a lesson for us today. So, trusting, in, uh, trusting God in financial hardship means you do what He says. To get out of it, you trust, you've put your faith in his word to do what he says, to tell you, uh, to tell, what he tells you to do, and that takes faith and takes trust. And so he tells us to break our income down into tenths. illustrated by our boxes here. There are 10 boxes up here, 10 boxes up here, and eight of them, as you can see, are labeled Life, okay? But, like the management professor said, we have to put the big rocks in first. The two big rocks of God's financial plan are these to tithe and to save to tithe, and to save. And that sounds ridiculous. If so somebody is facing a loss of income, somebody that is facing uh, uh, trouble, financial issues, are you telling me that these two are the things I need to do? Yes, I am. And this is why. I want you to turn to Malachi verse 3, uh, chapter 3, verse 8 through 12. It says this. God is speaking to his people. He said, will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, the Lord answered. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. The first step to trusting God, the first step is to stop robbing him, okay? It is all his. He gives. This is stop robbing him. We give him what it is, uh, what is his, okay? We bring the entire tithe into the storehouse, not 1%, not 2%, not 9%, 10%. 10%. You break your income down into tenths and one of these, one, goes to God. That's the first step to God's, to trusting God in the midst of financial crisis. And you say, this is just crazy. Stay with me. Look at what the Bible says, all right? Step one, we bring the whole tithe into storehouse. My wife and I have been tithing since college. We have been doing this for, forever. This is what we do. We have been doing this 20 years. Gosh, 26, 27 years now, okay? And so uh, step two, step two, look what the the Bible says. It says that God throws open the floodgates, okay? When we do this, then God throws open the floodgates and pours out so much blessing you don't have room for it. Does that mean that God sends you a lottery, uh, the winning lottery? No, not really. No, that doesn't happen. What that has meant for me in my life, when God throws open the floodgates, is that He has given me more work than I can do all my own. He blesses me with work. He gives me opportunities. He increases the ability of me to earn. Um, that, that, that is in 2008 when we started this church. Um, it was in the middle of the Great Recession. Nobody could find a job. I had four jobs. Four Jobs. I had more work than I could handle. I delivered newspapers every morning. I, I substitute taught at East Jessamine High School. Um, I, I coached soccer and pastored this church, and we were perfectly taken care of. That, that was a stressful thing for a, a, a husband with, with a wife and three little children. Um, But there was always the opportunity to work in the midst of a time when nobody uh, was able to find a job. We had plenty. God blesses us with work. And so what what happens when you start tithing? God throws open the possibilities of you at work. It may be an advancement. It may be new customers coming in. It may be a new job. But he, he doesn't send checks in the mail okay? He gives you the opportunity to work and increase your income. That's what has happened in my life, at least. That's my personal testimony, all right? Uh, And and God is literally saying, test me in this. He's saying, test me in this and see it, okay? What God is saying, he's throwing down the gauntlet and he's saying, if you will just do this and, and, and I will do that, but if I don't follow through, if you tithe and I don't throw open the floodgates, then you can stop. You don't have to do it. You can test me in this, God says. Test me. Try me. I'm begging you, God says, because I want to bless you. I want to get you out of this financial difficulty, but I need you to do this one thing first. And you say, well, uh, you know, uh, step three after that, when we go to the scriptures, after we start tithing, he, then it says that he protects our financial assets when we do this. Um, it says this, that, that uh, when, when you start tithing, I'll pre- prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines of your fields will not cast their fruit. The biggest uh, um, danger to an agrarian society was being consumed by pests. They didn't have uh, pesticides. They didn't have those kinds of things. And so that, that was a big uh, way that, that, that they would lose income. They would would lose all that. And so what the Lord says is when you tithe, I will put a hedge of protection around the things you depend on. In our society, I don't have, we're not an agrarian society. What this looks like in our society is that he puts a hedge of things around the things you depend on. In my life, what that has looked like is that our cars drive forever without breaking down. Yes, everybody makes fun of the fact that I drive a 20-year-old car. Yes, I drive a 20-year-old car. My wife drives an 18-year-old car. See, she got the new car in the family. And both of our cars are, are, are running. They're, they're great. They're wonderful. And we have very minimal repair bills. Um, I don't know about you all, but in this lockdown, we've eaten at home an awful lot more, and we're, we're running the dishwasher twice a day. Well, that dishwasher is the original to the house, made in 1988, and it's still going. Um, these things, the things don't wear out as quickly. When you tied God puts a hedge of protection around it. And if you doubt that, um, there was a, when God made the Israelites wander in the desert in Deuteronomy chapter 29, 5, said that while you were in the desert, your clothes didn't wear out, your, neither did your sandals wear out. Check it and see, Deuteronomy 29, 5. Don't doubt me on that. Uh, but uh, in, in our, in, when when we are when we are consistent tithers, we bring the full tithe in. He throws open the floodgates of heaven and, and, and fills our lives with work opportunities. Then he protects the things that would drain us, of, that, that would be financial liabilities. See, I believe this. I believe that if you're a homeowner, you know this, that, if you, that, that, that there are demons assigned to your house. There's one demon that's assigned to destroy your HVAC unit. There's one that's designed to destroy your roof, to destroy your, uh, your windows, to destroy your carpet. There's a, a demon assigned to that. I know it. And what happens when you tithe? It's like God sends this big angel and grabs the uh, HVAC demon by the throat and says, get out of here. Uh, actually, I don't know if that happens or not, but I can actually see that happening. Because that is what the, the word of the Lord says. And then the fourth step is this, is that all nations will call you blessed. Have you ever looked at a family or a, and he's like, man, you guys are just blessed. You, you don't have any problems. You, you're, you're doing well. And I Man, you are just really blessed. That's exactly what God says will happen if you trust him, if you do what he says to do in the midst of financial hardship, if you take this step. And people say, well, uh, doesn't God love us? Why would he make us do that? Why, why would he make us tie? Why would he just throw open the floodgates of heaven already? Well, he wants to but he wants you to have skin in the game. He wants you to have an investment in your own healing. He wants you to, uh, to, to have some, uh, some stake in it. We all know what happens if, when you bail someone out and they've got no skin in the game. God isn't into quick fixes. He wants lifestyle changes. See, people that lose, that lose weight, Most of the people that lose weight gain it back because they were interested in losing weight, but they weren't interested in changing their lifestyles. The people that lose weight and keep it off are the ones that change everything. They get a new system. And so God is not interested in bailing you out of a financial situation just to see you back there in six months. He wants you to change lifestyles so you get out of financial crisis and you stay out of financial crisis. That is what God is interested in. And so he's not into quick fixes. Um, and so God knows that if he bails you out, you'll be right back where you were. And he loves you too much to do that. So he says, I want, to, I want to bless you, but more than that, I want you to trust me. I want you to trust me with the first 10%, and then I want you to let me take care of the rest. That's what I want you to do. So God's plan for, to, to, trust, to trusting and, and through financial difficulty is to tithe first. The second thing is that we save. These are the two big rocks. In Proverbs, um, in Proverbs 21 20, it says, the wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. Fools gulp theirs down. So if uh, the Bible is very, very unkind to people that spend every dollar that they, that, they, that they bring in. The Bible is very unkind, calls you a fool. Um, this, this is very, 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 very important to do this. Okay, these are the two big rocks. You pay 10% to God, then you pay 10% to yourself. These are the two big rocks. And interestingly enough, secular uh, researchers have found the wisdom in this. In their, um, in their uh, 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 New York Times bestselling book, The Millionaire Next Door, um, authors Thomas Stanley and William Danko compared people who were millionaires with people who weren't. Um, they found several differences between the two groups of people, people that had a high net worth and people that were really uh, have, struggling, people that uh, were um, uh, uh, doing real well in life and people that weren't. And they, one of the biggest differences they found was this, was that it, uh, between the two groups, when hard financial times hit, when hard financial times hit, they reacted very, very differently. Um, the group that, had, that was doing well, that, that, that uh, um, uh, had, had wealth and had, was doing well financially, they, when they had a hard financial time, like they bought a car, they had an illness or, or an unexpected bill or something like that, what they did was they changed this. They continued to give. I don't know if you can see here. They continued to give and to save. These were of utmost importance. They weren't going to sacrifice these. They sacrificed these things. They sacrificed the life part. They, went, they didn't go out to eat. They, 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 uh, they reduced their expenses, but they continued to give and they continued to save. And the people who were not doing well financially Um, did the exact opposite. When when financial hard times hit, the first thing they did was they sacrificed a tithe and they sacrificed saving. These were the first two things on the chopping block. And what the researchers found was that every month is a financial crisis, every month. The reason is because no one has enough money to do everything they want to do. Every month is a crisis. Um, Ecclesiastes um, chapter uh, 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 11, I'm sorry. Ecclesiastes chapter five ten says, "Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless." This because of a thing called the law of scarcity. Your your resources are not unlimited. They are limited. And therefore, because of the law of scarcity, you have to do a thing called prioritize. You have to find out what is important uh, and what is not. Of the infinite things that demand your attention, you have to decide what gets your resources. That's what the law of scarcity says. And and, uh, because we're subject to the law of scarcity, we must prioritize. Um, the, and so, if you were in financial crisis, the panic response would be to get rid of this and to get rid of this. If these are the first two things on your chopping block, you're setting yourself up for a lifetime of financial crises. Okay? Uh, you, if you're in financial crisis, don't sacrifice the tithe and the save, sacrifice the life and the life. Okay, sacrifice these things. Going to Starbucks is not an essential thing when you're financial crisis. Uh, when you're financial crisis, um, if you are in a financial crisis, you should not see the inside of a restaurant unless you're working there. Okay, you shouldn't. Um, don't sacrifice the tithe and the saving boxes. Sacrifice the life boxes, and you will be out of financial crisis before you know it. Because the word of God says that it says that He will throw open the floodgates of heaven, and He will uh, you you will be blessed. 12 years ago when we started this church, um, Rachel and I experienced a 40% drop in income, 40%. And we decided that we would trust God to keep tithing the same amount that we were making previously at our, at our other income level. We decided we would trust God because number one priority was tithing. Everything else took a hit. Savings took a hit, our lifestyle took a hit. We had to cancel a lot of things that we liked doing. Um, and you can always tell what you value most by what you cut first when financial difficulty helps. Hits. Um, uh, God blessed and He blessed. We learned priorities. Um, Now, the only debt that Rachel and I have is our house. And I talk about it all the time here at Catalyst, how I can't wait to pay off the house. Um, John Kerry alluded to it earlier how um, uh, on my birthday, my 50th birthday in May of 2024, my birthday present to myself is going to be a write a check to pay off the house, and I'll be debt free for the rest of my life. I talk about it all the time. But when the news of the economic shutdown happened, um, uh, Rachel and I got together, and we've been paying extra, uh, extra payments on our mortgage each month. We decided to stop that because we figured there'd be people that would, that would be hurting and would need uh, a few dollars, we, and we could free up those dollars to serve people, to help people, um, because people are out of work due to layoffs or furloughs or if they need food. We want to set that aside because that's a greater thing uh, that's what we do. In financial times, uh, times of financial hardship, we cut the lesser in favor of the greater. That's what we've all done. We've all cut what we believe to be less in favor of what we believe to be greater. So here, can we trust God through this? Well, the book of Proverbs uh, 11.25 Proverbs says, A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. Do we believe the word of God? Do we believe that if we are generous and we prioritize serving others, that others, that, that we, we too will be refreshed? Well, that is where we trust God. And so we believe that. And uh, so when God says, I bless generosity, if you refresh others, others will be refreshed. Then we take that to heart. We trust God through that. Here's the thing, you will get through this crisis. You will. Uh, things will return to normal, life will go on like it did before, until the next crisis. Uh, we've had two financial crises in the last 12 years. The 2008 Great Recession, the 2020 coronavirus shutdown. Are we so foolish to think that there won't be another one? Of course there will be. I was born in 1974. I was born in the midst of the 1973-1974 OPEC oil crisis, where... Um, uh, is basically, the entire 1970s was a, was a financial crisis. And I say good riddance to the 1970s. Um, the OPEC oil crisis caused gas prices to go up 43% overnight to the ghastly high of 38 cents a gallon. I remember my mom and dad telling me how outraged they were at paying 38 cents a gallon. Yeah, real tough. And so the, that, that sent the economy to a tailspin. Then in 1987, the stock market crashed on what is known as Black Monday. The Dow lost 23% of its value in one day. In 1999, the dot bomb uh, bubble burst as the uh, Internet startup businesses crashed through the economy into a tailspin. In 2001, 9-11 threw the economy to a, to a standstill. In 2008, the Great Recession happened, preceded by uh, uh, unprecedented gas prices. This time we were paying $4.20 a gallon in this area. In 2020, the coronavirus hit. That's six major crises in my lifetime. Are we so foolish to think that there won't be another one? Well, as you've been around longer, have experienced even more. Proverbs 22.3 says, The wise see trouble and take cover, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. Let's use this time, you all. Let's use this time to plan, to get on a, on a, on a budget, to get our, our, our plans together because we know another one's coming after this one. We'll survive this one, but we need to make sure that we're ready for the next one. Um, let's use this time to begin saving, to be building margins, to being wise with our money, getting out of debt so when the crisis hits, we will be prepared. Um, the ten ten eighty 80 plan that we've demonstrated here is rock solid. My wife and I have been doing this for eight to ten years now. Um, and it, it's just been incredible. Uh, we, we use cash envelopes. Each, each, each uh, month we put money in envelopes. To budget so that we don't spend more than we bring in. Uh, through it all. We trust in God as provider. We trust in in, in him as provider. That means more than when we get in trouble asking him to bail us out. What that means is we do things every day. We run our finances according to the word of God. We do what he says to do. That's what it means to trust in God as provider. That doesn't mean you do whatever you want and then God bails you out. No, you trust him every day with your financial decisions. You do what he says to do, even when it doesn't make sense. That's why it's called trust. That's why it's called faith. And then you sit back and watch him take care of the stress, take care of everything, and you realize that his way is the ultimate way. His way is the best way to do it. It means more than just believing in God. It means trusting him with everything. We have our two most precious resources, our time and our money. When we put that at the feet of God. We, do say, we just say, this is yours. It's yours. And so I'm gonna do things your way. When we do that, we won't be in financial crisis for long. God bless you. And I pray that this message reached you today. God bless.